My name is Phil Mendoza, and this is a championship bow hunting podcast fueled by Mountain Ops. Join me and my guests as we give you bow hunting tips to take your preparation to the next level. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 43, and today we have a special guest. Tim Gillingham will be joining us so we can break down some of the benefits and features that you might find on some of your arrows, and uh, we'll get into a little more detail as to how certain certain things benefit you as a bow hunter. Before we do that, I want to send a shout-out to today's partner, uh, Grizzly Coolers. Check them out at grizzlycoolers.com. Grizzly is coming on as a partner for the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge. So we will have some Grizzly Coolers in the uh, in the winter circle for giveaways for that event that we have coming up at the end of May. Uh, more details on that coming soon here at the beginning of March. But make sure you check out Grizzly Coolers. If you are in the Denver metro area, we have a full stock of coolers as well. Uh, getting into today's episode... Tim Gillingham, world champion archer, works for Gold Tip, uh, one of the most approachable pros on on the on the pro circuit, and a wealth of knowledge. So, looking forward to getting into the podcast with Tim. So, let's go ahead and jump right in. So, with me today, I've got Tim Gillingham, and many of you know who Tim is. He he's a man that needs no introduction. A professional archer, he's won many tournaments all around the world, and uh, <clears throat> you know he's he's very into his bow hunting as well. So, with today's episode, um, I guess I'm going to start off by welcome welcoming Tim to the show. Tim, welcome. How's it going, pal? Good, man. So, you know, many of you heard Tim on on the Natural Born Hunter podcast episode we did a, a few months back, but I want to get a little more technical today, Tim, with in regards to you know. Making having bow hunters take the next step, you know, as far as progressing out of a, I'm just going to go to the box store and buy a, a dozen cookie cutter arrows that the guy behind the counter shoves me and 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 roll the dice with it. I, I want to talk to you about certain features in building an arrow that's going to be beneficial for a bow hunter. So, you know, I guess let, let's start off with um, <clears throat> let's start off with the back of the arrow. You know, uh, the knock itself. Give me a couple of reasons why one knock may be better than another. Well, it's not necessarily as much as one knock uh, being better than the other, although that can happen, especially with a lot of these arrows coming out of China. Some of the Chinese manufacturing that I've experienced over the years has not been the best. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen, literally seen knocks, you know, out of four cavities that were cut that, you know, at 30 yards would hit two and a half inches apart. So uh, most of the stuff, I mean, all the stuff that we build, go tip now, most, like all our knocks are made in Colorado. Very, very, you know, we had to learn how to test this stuff. And, you know, with the advent of shooting machines and stuff like that, it makes things a little bit easier to, you know, to test and really be careful with that. Uh, uh, make sure you get the utmost of quality and, and consistency in knocks. Um, that being said, you know, I just, you know, last night, was dealing with an issue and couldn't get a bow to group. It was kind of good. And, you know, I just, you know, one thing I think that bow hunters especially don't pay attention to is how tight or loose their knocks fit. And probably one of the biggest accuracy robbers that, that there is is too tight a knock. And it's such a simple thing to learn how to, you know, reserve a bow string, 
and get it get it right. You know, everybody calls Goldtip. They want us to build a knock to fit their bowstring. But the problem with that is, is knock molds are about 20 grand and a piece of serving to do your center serving is about a dollar. So you can kind of see, you know, the, there there are some AMO specs out there, and but they don't, you know, they're, I don't know that all the string manufacturers adhere to them. So when we were actually designing our knocks, we just took kind of a happy medium between Easton and Carbon Express. And so that we were, you know, conforming to what, you know, some of the custom string manufacturers were making at the time. And that is just really critical. Yeah. And like you said, that's, it's something that I learned when I got into doing more tournament shooting. And when that's something for another, another episode, but that's, that's one of the main things I wanted to see if, you know, get, get your insight on because yes, the, the economical arrows that, that are labeled, you know, just, let's just say that the, the cheap arrows, you might look for, you might expect cheap product there, but for the most part, you get into your mid grade and and higher end products and and all of gold tip stuff, like you said. But the knock fit in is the most critical item on the knock. Well, I believe so. Yeah, it's it's really critical. And what the what the average guy should be looking for is you should the simple test is, you know, if I draw my bowstring back, you know, a half an inch to an inch and let go, does the knock cleanly come off the string? If it just sits there and bounces back and forth to string that that's too tight and you need to have it reserved yeah so that that's a good test and and you know let, let's keep moving forward now so <clears throat> the veins and and this is probably what's going to gobble up most of my time with the questions for you i want i want your perspective on the features of the different veins benefits for a bow hunter um, from a low profile to the the actual stiffness of a vein to a shield cut parabolic what what's your preference um for your your own setup and then let's talk a little bit about some of the features in within a vein well everybody always calls me and wants to know what vein to use and my first question to them is well what broadhead the broadhead is completely indicative to what vein that you're going to shoot if you're going to shoot a fixed blade in my experience i shoot nothing but four fletch um a four fletch two and a half or a two inch high profile vein with with uh fixed blade broadheads i think is almost mandatory to get good flight the downside of that is it creates more noise um one of the reasons i shoot mechanical broadheads is i can shoot smaller veins therefore i can shoot quieter arrows um and i and i talk to a lot of people and, and one of the guys i talk to a lot is, is a guy named steve cobreen over in south africa he's just like He's like Fred Bear over there. I mean, this guy has killed more SCI world records than I believe even Archie Nesbitt. I don't know. It's pretty pretty close. I mean, he's killed a bunch of them. But but he was talking to me about filming Impala and listening, you know, shooting a target behind the blind and then shooting at the animal and the reaction difference in them. Because he had always ordered three-inch super spine vein techs, and that's what I actually use now, uh, you know, simply because of that recommendation. Um uh, I, I, I tried him two years ago in a four flesh pattern, had a coos deer jump out of his bed. Look, you know, he didn't even know I was there, heard the arrow coming. So I, last year I went to three of them and jury's kind of still out whether I believe that that's enough. Cause even with a mechanical broadhead, you still need a little bit more vein than you do a field point because you do have, you know, a little bit more planing surface area, you know, on the front of that arrow. So when you make a mistake, that broadhead gets sideways and wants to plane off. So, and a mechanical does it less than a fixed blade, but it still can do it. So you got to make sure you have a, 
a proper enough vein on there. So I like quiet veins. A parabolic with a rounded back is going to be more quiet than anything shield cut. Conversely, something with a shield cut or, you know, an upright back like a blazer or a swift vein from vein tech is going to be, uh, you know, create a little bit more drag and, and a little bit more control in that regard. Um, the thickness of the vein, the leading edge also creates air drag, also creates noise. So it, it's kind of a trade-off there. And I always tell guys to go out and experiment. That's how I do it. I don't, you know, there's no such thing as perfect. Um, if you're going to, if you want something that's a blanket recommendation, overkill's always the rule. So, yeah. And that's, that's a, that, that what you just said right there speaks so much to many, many areas in archery where, you know, I, I, I covered a, a topic a while back when somebody says, choose what's right for you. Well, helping people to identify what is right for them, a lot of people don't know that, right? So like you just said right there, the, broad, the, the vein selection depends on the broadhead selection. Okay, so there's your starting point. So if you're going to be shooting uh, expandable, your starting point may be slightly different than if you're shooting a fixed blade. If you're shooting... You know, if you if you want to go with the four fletch, well, you got a little bit probably maybe a little bit more flexibility as to what you can use because you're adding that fourth fletch is going to give you a little bit more stabilization on the back anyway, creating more drag. So there's 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 no cookie cutter like Tim says there, but well, yeah, it, there's there's options, but just knowing where to start is really the I think the the main problem for many bow hunters. Yeah, sure. And, I, and I'm going to just jump in there and say, you know, a lot of people think it's just pure surface area, and I disagree. Um, I learned about fourplex back when I was, oh, it's been several years ago when we were doing some testing with Grim Reaper, and I was getting ready to go on Elkhart in Idaho where you have to shoot fixed plates. And I was shooting a four-inch hard helical in a three-fletch. And every once in a while, Broadhead had just laying off and hit in the dirt, and just about every type I tried. So, you know, Products don't fly like field points, unlike what the manufacturers say. But I had just had some arrows fletched up with some two and a half inch forefoots that I had built for ESP and Great Outdoor Games and just tried them. And it was like instant difference. So when I put those same veins on my, the arrows I'd been shooting, I'd seen a remarkable difference and, you know, and, and it kind of grew from there. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, but you were testing it, you know, you experiment, experiment with different, different options. And you also mentioned a little bit ago the noise factor. That's what a lot of people don't realize is you can have a noisy setup, uh, and and they may not know what's causing it. So that's something I think that many I don't want to say novice bow hunters, but just bow hunters that don't get real technical with their setup have no idea about. And that's something that you know I, I definitely wanted to ask you about also. But with you touching on it, um, it, it, yeah. it brings up a lot of good topics. Yeah, most most bow hunters have worse problems to deal with than than, than that. But you know, there is a lot of difference in veins. Uh, I mean, in broadheads and their noise, and veins and their noise. And it's always trying, even in target archery, it's always trying to find that happy medium, that that point where, you know. And I always tell guys use as much vein up to the point where you're actually losing something. So if if I shoot 3D and I only shoot to 50 yards. I can run more vein because I'm, there's not going to be really a negative effect to it. If I'm going out to 80, 90, 100, now I really got to start limiting the drag effect because if my arrow's slowing down too fast, it's going to be real susceptible to wind drift. And, and a hunting arrow is no different. Um, 
you know, it's one of the reasons I try to shoot heavier pounded hunting so I can shoot heavier arrows. Um, you know, all those things contribute to better downrange performance. Well, so so Tim, let's let's wrap up this this episode here and give me just a couple tips to be able to give to to our audience to say, look, when you're when you're looking at building an arrow, consider X Y Z. Uh, maybe it's buy the best arrow you can buy, you can afford. I mean, wh- what are your kind of bread and well, butter tips to someone? Okay, my bread and butter tips is, is you know, there's a lot of gimmicks, flesh arrows, you know, some stuff that is just, you know, for the for the consumer. Uh, my goal, you can buy a good fletching jig for $30, okay? Get a fletching jig, learn how to fletch your own arrows. I've been doing it since I was 13 years old. That, does, that allows you to do a lot of different things. Um, you can buy a set of XT hunters, you know, and put them on a Pine Ridge arrow spinner, spin them down, cut the straightest portion on every arrow, and get better arrows than just buying a set of XT hunters that you bought off the shelf. Um, I cover this very extensively in a video on, you know, on the, our YouTube link on Gold Tips website. So there's some videos there on arrow building that guys can go to. Um, you know, from from that point, you know, you. you you know, you're only as good as your ammunition. You can only buy a certain level of accuracy. You have to create it. Even when you're buying pro-grade shafts, I mean, you're going to get markedly better uh, performance out of them right out of the box, but you can still make them precise enough to shoot in the same arrow hole if you just follow a few, you know, technical, you know, tips and learn how to build your arrows, learn how to tune your arrows, um, paper tuning your arrows and paper tuning each one of your arrows and making sure they all react the same to each other is, is the most critical thing you can do as a bow hunter. And you can, you can achieve that by rotating knocks, uh, you know, and, and things like that. So. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, that really covers it so much in a nutshell, because if you're building your own arrows, you're able to play with different veins. You're able to measure your arrows, make sure that the weights are consistent. Uh, like you said, spinning your arrows, there, there's so much that that simple task of of learning to build your own arrows can eliminate many variables. So yeah, Phil, you know, Phil, that's half the fun of it, in my opinion. That's that's half the fun and the lure of archery is is learning. And you know, I always you know tell people that you you know they give me a hard time about tinkering all the time. I said those who try nothing learn nothing. Yeah. Okay. So no, well, words well spoken, and let's go ahead and close on that one because. Um, you know, I encourage all you bow hunters out there to, you know, spend a, invest a few dollars on a fletching jig. You know, I'll link over into the show notes to the YouTube, uh, the Gold Tips YouTube channel because Tim's got a lot of good videos on there. So I'll link that link back to that. But Tim, I appreciate your time with this topic. There's there's so there's so many intricacies of building an arrow, but if if you haven't gone out and done it at all yourself, then you you know people really can't identify with it so we encourage you to get a jig start fletching your arrows start learning make mistakes and then learn from them so thanks again tim for helping helping me out cover this topic today no problem phil my pleasure